Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is JJ Hernandez, and joining us on the show today is a very special guest. It is the one and only Paul Morris. What is going on, Paul? How are you doing today, man? All good, brother. All good. Appreciate you being here. Excited to have you on. And I think we're about ready to dive into the nitty gritty here of what you have going on with uh, Penworthy <laughs> Boxing Club CIC. And so, uh, you know, we'll start with a very, very basic question, trying to give the viewers some perspective here. You know, Paul, how many members are you serving currently? Well, it is only a small boxing club, but we have got maybe 70 or 80 members. Okay. Yeah. And for you, I mean, every gym is different, especially you being like sports combat specific. What's been the best method of getting people interested and through your doors? Well, we're a little bit different to 99.99% of combat sports clubs or any kind of club, really, because a lot of what we do is free. So... That's obviously how we stay busy as well, but we don't earn much money. We're a non-profit. A CIC means community interest company, which is what I wanted to do because I didn't want people to think I was just in it to get rich, you know what I mean? Because I'm not. I want to help my community. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. I think, sorry, I thought you were going to continue there. No, that's great. I think um, the biggest I think emphasis in this industry is emphasizing helping people, right? I think a lot of people lose sight of that. You know, I mean, again, you need money to stay open, but at the end of the day, you're in the industry of helping people, right? So um, now, I mean, let's say leads, traffic, clients, all these things were hypothetically unlimited. I mean, how much higher would you want to go? How much more clients could you handle? Well, without without growing the gym twice, um, we've had to keep expanding and now we're at a point where we really need a bigger building, but we don't want to leave the location we're at. So mm. how it started was we started, I, I was, I was always a boxing coach for 19 years. I've been a boxing coach through my amateur and my professional career. And I just wanted to help my community. The, the community I live in is quite a rough, quite tough area, bad area, a lot of crime, alcohol, related drugs related violent crime you know related so we wanted to start up something being proactive instead of reactive giving the kids something to do before they get in trouble so they don't get in trouble do you know what i mean and what we started doing me and my wife was literally teaching kids on the local park swing park you know where you get roundabouts seesaws and stuff teaching kids for free boxing lessons the first time we did it, we got, I think, two between two and four kids. I can't remember. It was years ago. Then the, the week after, we doubled. Then again, doubled. Before we, before we finished, it, it was 60 kids coming down every Saturday for free boxing lessons in a big group. And it got too big for the park. With the weather in England, it rains a lot. Yeah. So we, we used the community centre. And then it got too big for the community centre. The community centre wanted to charge us because it got so big, um, you know, for the, the capacity we were having, even though we, we weren't charging them. So I thought, why am I paying the community centre? I may as well get my own little building to put a gym in. Bearing in mind, I was a full-time boxing coach at a different club that I ran. So that sort of forced me out of that club. They, they weren't happy with what I was doing. You know, because I was, they, they thought it was infringing on what they were doing. They thought I was taking business away, which I wasn't. I was teaching them for free. These are kids that come from a bad walk of life, you know, parents and drug addicts and alcoholics and prostitutes and things like that. They don't have anything. So me and my wife were feeding them. We were teaching them boxing and giving them a little bit of a, a look at what you can achieve, you know, if you don't go down the rocky road, you know, if, if you, you know, put positive mental attitude, put, put your mind in something positive 
and you don't have to go down the same road as your parents even, which I know that sounds cruel, but it's the way it is. So we did, we started teaching, we got the boxing club up and going, and, and that's where we're at from now. So the, all the classes are really busy, full to capacity, but only half of them pay, but half of them come for free. Wow. That's huge. I mean, Paul, I mean, I want to, I want to say, I, I appreciate how, how, how big of an emphasis you are in helping that community. I mean, that's, that's, it's almost unheard of, you know, and I'll be super honest. I, I, I want to say thank you um, because you don't, you don't see that too often, you know? Um, and I, I think this is a good segue to this question here, which is, you know, what's the bigger picture for like, let's say five, 10 years down the road, what are you really trying to accomplish? Uh, well, I'm just trying to make, if, if I can help one child, in the area I live, or, or any area, even the, even beyond our area, you know, the surrounding area. If I can help one child achieve something through boxing, which which saved my life, I could have been a, a full-blown criminal. Do you know what I mean? It, so it did save my life because I didn't come from the best of backgrounds. Um, then I've done my job, you know, in my community. I just want to... Well, I mean, I want to teach people to box anyway, but if I can help one person from my community that weren't going to be a success story, be a success story, then I've done my job. Yeah, completely. I love that. I love that. And so um, I'm curious, you know, I, I think what's the going into the new year coming right in about a month and a half here, What's the bigger goal for you? Are you looking to just get more people through your doors? Are you looking to keep people longer? Are you looking to add more services? What's like the big goal for you guys just going into this next year? Well, so going into the new year has got to be about expanding space-wise to fit more people in. How we do it at the moment is we do different classes for different levels. I mean, same as a lot of gyms do, but we do some ladies-only classes, then we do senior classes, junior classes, squad classes, beginners classes, obviously one-to-one. -one, we offer one-to-one -one training as well. Um, and it's got to be it's got to be sized to fit more in because we, we, we're literally not turning people away, but we're, we're at that crucial point now where we are going to have to start turning people away the busier it gets just because we can't fit them in the doors do you know what I mean well yeah yeah a hundred percent and so uh one last question here Paul my favorite question of the day you know if you could go back in time here to when you first started the gym sit yourself down with the knowledge you have now and give yourself that one piece of advice you think you really needed to hear when you first started what would that advice be for you um, I probably wouldn't have done the feeding the kids because, and that and that, that might sound cruel, but a, a lot of them would they weren't interested in in anything else but just coming for the food. And it's not that I didn't want to feed them; it's just that we were trying to get them into something positive and not just just coming as a food bank. Does that make sense? Yeah. Not that I didn't want to do that, but we we're trying to have the incentive was through boxing, you know, getting people out of trouble through boxing and not just feeding them and they're still going to get in trouble anyway. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. No, hundred percent. It does. It definitely does. Like it, it's a good place to wrap things up on this episode, Paul, but before we sign out, I mean, please, if you have any social media, a Facebook website, anything at all, please let the viewers know where can they find out more about you? Yeah. Well, we're Penwith and Boxing Club on Facebook. We have two, Penwith and Boxing Club and Penwith and Boxing Club CIC. We also have it on Twitter. We have it on Instagram as well. Um, we're always after support because, as you can imagine, it, I get it in the neck of my wife because we do a lot for free. So we're always after support, whether financially or or donations, you know what I mean? Any kind of support we can get to, so we can help more people because that's the aim, the main, the, the main aim of the game, do you know what I mean? We're trying to help people and trying to get them out, out of trouble, proactive instead of reactive, do you know what I mean? Proactive instead of reactive. Give them something to do before they get in trouble. I love that. I love that. Look, uh, we absolutely appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast, and I look forward to seeing what you can accomplish down the road. 
If you don't mind sticking around for two more seconds, I just want to let you know how you can access the podcast. I'd really appreciate it. I'm just going to go ahead and sign everybody else out over here, okay? Awesome. And to everybody else who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you want to come in and join us to talk about your fitness business, click the link in the descriptions, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you very, very soon. And as always, till next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us is Mr. Simon Carlsberg of Beartown Amateur Boxing Club, all the way from Cheshire in the United Kingdom. Simon, what's going on today, sir? How are we? I'm great, Joe. Thank you. How are you? I am tremendous. I, I'm excited to dig into this. I yeah. love the structure of boxing clubs in England. And, and I think that there's a lot for us to learn from the state's perspective mm-hmm. when it comes to how businesses function in London and beyond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For you, Simon, for the people who aren't familiar with Beartown as a boxing mm-hmm. club, give us a little bit of a description. I think context is important here. When yeah. you describe Beartown Amateur Boxing Club, what do you tell people? So we are a community-based boxing gym. So um, we're in a small town called Congleton in Cheshire, which is uh, around 20 miles from Manchester. So for those that aren't familiar with the UK, that's sort of north of north of England. Um, we're a, an England-affiliated gym, so we have a competitive squad um, of around 20 to 25 boxers um, competing all around the UK and, and abroad as well. We've got a, um, a competition coming up in Ireland uh, next week, um, so we'll be flying out there. We... Uh, we are also serving the local community in um, fitness. So we, we have ladies classes, we have kids classes, um, and, and we sort of try and involve as, as much of the local community as possible. Okay. And, and so something for everyone, right? When we, when we yeah. speak to boxing specifics clubs like this, it's important mm. to differentiate whether this is entirely for competitive we're looking to get in the ring or boxing for fitness health Mm. you guys combine the two is that correct yeah and it was i mean it was sort of twofold really one it it was a necessity um so you know with a boxing squad of of 20 25 you you just can't survive on you know we, we we charge very little to our boxers as you'll know um you know Boxers tend to come from um, sort of lower uh, socioeconomic backgrounds, don't have a lot of money. Um, you know, we used to charge three pounds, I don't know, four dollars uh, for our boxes. It's gone up slightly recently because obviously all the energy prices are going up and so on. But we charge very little to those competitive boxes. Um, we, we couldn't survive on, on just uh, their subscriptions alone. Uh, so we, we we had to open it out to more people. We also wanted to involve the local community more. People didn't really know much about the uh, the boxing gym itself or the people that ran it. Um, and we wanted to raise the profile of the club, get more people involved, um, and obviously keep the doors open. You know, it was it was critical to bring in uh, bring in more money. That was yeah. uh, one of the key 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 reasons for opening it up to some of these fitness classes. Sure. It's a, uh, it's a big deal when you, when you have a business like this, there are, are necessary components and paying bills is certainly one of them. I think that's yeah, the biggest, the biggest component or the biggest difference when yeah. people in our industry go from just being a coach or a trainer to running a business like this. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot more back end that, that we don't necessarily know about until you are in it. 
Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So the, the, the you know the fitness classes essentially subsidise the the boxing, you know, the active uh, uh, competitive boxing. So without that, we wouldn't, uh, we just wouldn't be able to do it. So it's okay. critical. Yeah. So uh, Simon, there's a fitness component to this. Mm-hmm. There's a boxing component to this. Mm-hmm. Before we get into the business side of mm-hmm. things. Take us back a little bit to to how you became involved with Beartown. What was going on for you, and and how did we eventually transition into where you are now? Yeah, so I, I've trained with Beartown for probably um, 10, 11 years now. Um, I went to the States uh, in 2015 uh, with, with my job, so, so I also worked full-time for a, a pharma company, uh, and I went out there to uh, Evansville, Indiana, um, and there was a, a YMCA boxing gym there that I joined uh, for the time that I was in the States. Um, and that sort of really, uh, being at that gym and seeing what they were doing with their local community, um, just the sort of classes that they ran, again, for, for sort of fitness and you know, their competitive um, boxing squad as well. It, it, when I came back to the UK, um, I was really interested in start, starting my own gym um, to replicate what they were doing there. So, you know, it, fantastic club there, really community centered, but, you know, obviously very successful as well. The classes were packed uh, every time I was in the gym. Um, they ran probably eight classes a week between the, the, the competitive and non-competitive squad. Um, just just really loved that, you know, the, the, the feel of the gym, the, the community uh, spirit and so on and wanted to bring that back here so I intended on starting my own gym um, but sort of went to uh, to to Beartown where I'd been training prior to going to the US just to get some coaching experience really and one thing led to another um, within sort of two years of me starting to coach the the head coach sort of backed away and and asked me to take over in, in running the club so um, you know it was it was then trying to uh, develop the club, um, make us more successful uh, at, at earning money. There have been a few occasions where we'd very nearly closed because, you know, we, we owed, uh, owed lots of money to to different uh, utility companies and so on. And, and uh, so it, it was a very difficult start. But, you know, by by building this, uh, this community and having the fitness classes that allowed us to keep the doors open and, you know, we've gone from strength to strength from there. Yeah. And, and it, it allows you to reach a, a broader audience, right? We're not it limited by yeah. the, the competitive people that want to get punched in the head. Now yeah. we, can, we can work with a, a yeah, and, more. And, and that was the reason for it, for, for the, you know, the, the fact that the club was sort of failing financially was that the, the, the old head coach, who was a fantastic boxing coach, was very focused on the competitive boxers and wasn't really interested in anything else. And, and as I say, we just couldn't make money like that. So um, it was key to get a wider audience in, more people through the door. And, and as you'll know, you know, once we once we did that, one thing leads to another. We started a ladies' class. You know, that was really successful. They started bringing the kids. Some of the husbands started coming. So it just, you know, it builds and builds from, from there. Yeah. Now, uh, Simon, I want to I pick your brain on how we're spreading the word about this and, and the marketing that goes into getting people yeah. just in through the doors in the first place. Yeah. For you, what's been success or what let me let me ask a question this way what have we tried Mm. and what's been successful yeah i mean probably the most successful thing i'd say is social media i think that you know it's key for any anybody in the fitness industry now is you know letting people know what you do what you're about um where you are so for us um because we're sort of tucked away in an an industrial area uh in our town we didn't have any Body, you know, there's, there's, there's no footfall, there was no passing trade, nobody knew we were there. You know, I'd talk to people about Beartown and they'd say, well, I didn't even know we had a boxing club in the town. So yeah. it, was, it was really key for us to sort of let people know where we were, what we did, what we offered. And we did, we did a number of events uh, to kick things off. So we did, there was a local carnival. We took a stand down there and, you know, we took some pads and some gloves down and, and worked with kids and, and adults down there. We've been into a few schools. We've done, um, you know, sessions with uh, different, different age groups. Um, but I'd say the social media was probably 
probably the biggest, you know, that's, we started an Instagram page, then we started the website, just so people could just go on there and see, well, you know, I can see somebody there that's like me, they're not, you know, they're not a ripped six pack boxer, yeah. you know, there's somebody just yeah. off the street, just coming that's down, the bag. It, absolutely, yeah, you know, they've, they've got yeah. to see uh, that, that these things are accessible to them. So, so I'd say the, the, the probably the, the Instagram page, the Facebook page was, was critical to us getting people through the door. I think not even specifically boxing, but fitness mm. in general can be yeah. intimidating to very much so the, the person who isn't used to being in that sort of environment. And so mm. social media, of course, becomes a huge component of that. We can fill in and inform potential prospects yeah. before yeah, they definitely. ever step foot in our studio. Yeah. And you mentioned a, a couple of other components here too. We're, we're going to events, boots on the ground, yeah. pounding the pavement. Yeah, to try definitely. to get this out into the community mm. on the social media side of things. I think this is important to differentiate. Has this been purely organic posting content and, and funneling people to the website or have we put an advertising budget behind it to this point? Yes. There's no advertising budget. We've got what, what luckily one of our members is, uh, is, is a website builder. So he's, he's done as a great website. Um, so we direct everybody to that really, um, either from the, you know, the other social media, media pages or through, you know, I, I get lots of emails asking questions. Yeah. Um, we'll try and answer those through the website, but also, you know, say I probably answer, I don't know, 20 or 30 emails a week, uh, same number of phone calls from people just inquiring about the gym. They've heard about it on, on Instagram. Or, These are good or problems to have. Simon. They are good problems to have. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so for, for the people listening who are business owners, mm-hmm. Is all of this being funneled to you? Are you kind of the point person for this membership process? Yeah. So myself and my daughter Evie, she, she's very involved. Something else actually uh, is probably worth raising. I think if you're doing something um, like I am, that is volunteer, you know, it's, it's a voluntary uh, role, mm-hmm. and it takes up a lot of my time outside of my normal job is to get the family involved. So my wife runs a kettlebell class down there. She's a kettlebell instructor. Um, my my youngest daughter, Evie, does the front desk for me. She she answers yeah. lots of my emails. Uh, she, she orders things for us and so on. So, um, so, so yes. The I, unsung I heroes uh, of the Absolutely. Uh, also unpaid, I have to say. So, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's important to get them involved. But, yes, my, my daughter Evie uh, helps me out with, uh, with, with lots of the inquiries and, and, and responding to those. Okay. So, sort of by committee, we've got contributions yeah. from a number of different points. When someone is interested – Simon, they're reaching out by phone or by email. Mm. How do we get them to become or to go from that interested prospect mm. to now a, a paying client? Are they coming into the facility? Are we yeah. are we taking care of that over the phone or through email? How does that look? Yeah, so I think the, obviously the. I think with with lots of gyms, the hardest part is getting through getting them through the door in the first place. So, I think once they're in, generally speaking, they come back. You know, we 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 tend to see that uh, we we get lots of inquiries where people just don't turn up for the first session. So 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 the key thing is just getting them through the door. And I think, you know, really being. Um, uh, clear about what they can expect um, and, and that is that you know we don't push anybody to do anything they're uncomfortable with they can do everything at their own pace one thing that I hear all the time is I need to get fit before I come down to the boxing gym and I always say we that is will not get unique you fit. to England <laughs> no, either that is I a worldwide imagine. challenge yeah yeah so so you know the, the the one key point I always make is, you know, do not worry about your fitness levels. We will get you fit. We will teach you all. This is the place to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Don't do it outside of here. Do it in the gym. So the the key thing is obviously getting them through the door. I think, as I say, generally retention rates are really good. You know, once they're in, they tend to be members for for a long, long time. So um, it's really making it clear about what they can expect, uh, that it's not really intimidating, that there are people like them at the gym, um, and, and sometimes connecting them with those people, you know, go and talk to, I can see that you're connected on Facebook or, you know, go and talk to them. They've been and just really trying to convince them that it's a, you know, a, a safe and, um, you know, a, a nice environment. 
Yeah, I, I heard uh, a phrase that seems incredibly relevant here, and it's unfortunate for our industry, but it was applicable in another business, but it's, it makes a lot of sense here. And he said, the heaviest weight in the whole building is the front door. Yep, that's a great, right? yeah, that's a great phrase. Everything yeah, else yeah. we can we can yeah. make sure to, yeah. to coach you through. Yeah. Yeah. Now, hypothetically, Simon, we've, we've got this new prospect signed up. We're getting them into classes. What is, what is your focus to, to make sure people stay for the long haul? What influences the most in your mind? Um, I think variety is really important. So, um, you know, all of our classes are different. We, we, um, we run, I think it's nine classes across the week now. Um, and obviously some of those are repeat classes. So we do, um, we do squad classes, which are just for the boxers. We do um, the uh, boxing fitness classes, which are open to anyone really. But we make sure that there's, there's, there's three of those per week. We make sure that those three classes are different every time that people come. Um, so it's it's really trying to keep it interesting, trying to make it um, so that there's something there for everybody. Um, and I think just, just really trying to build a... Um, you know, that sort of community environment where people, everybody knows each other. There's the social aspect to it. So everyone comes in, you know, they chat and, you know, people have friends there eventually um, and they want to go and see the friends as much as come and, you know, hit the bag or, you know, work the battle ropes. It's, it, it's a case of making it a place that people enjoy coming to for something, not just fitness, it's there's, yeah. there's something else as well. I think anybody that's that's spent time in the fitness industry in any capacity knows what it is that you're talking about it's not quite a tangible feeling but it's bigger it's bigger than just sets and reps or or time or absolutely absolutely as you look forward with this simon where do you see this this boxing club and this business going into the future what's your vision for this longer term yeah, so I mean, as I say, at the moment we we run uh, sort of eight eight or nine classes across the week. Um, they are mainly in the evenings, although we do a, a Saturday class, um, that, and that's because we're all volunteers. We, we all have other jobs. Ultimately, um, we would like to be running classes in the day for you know, and, and again, open it to a wider sort of demographic. So we'd like to do classes for the disabled. We'd like to do. Uh, some Parkinson's classes we'd like to do um, a sort of mums and tots class you know there's there's lots of other things we'd like to do in the daytime but we do all work currently so ultimately it would be nice to have some paid coaches that come in and do uh, some of those things for us um, we'd like to have our own premises so we we we, we rent our current building we're, we're, we've sort of outgrown that now it's you know we, the, the number of people we've got in there is too many really to comfortably um uh to to fit them all in so so it'd be nice to buy our own place i think at some stage that that will will need to happen um and then we will definitely need to do some you know we'll need to do more than we do now in terms of uh number of classes per week yeah it's uh it's a big question because Mm. one you can take it in any direction you want but Mm. any sort of of big moves like this require capital they require yeah. resources yeah. and yeah. so yeah changes have to be made in in one way or another but it sounds like once you guys can get your ducks in a row mm-hmm. the the product is proven right people yeah. appreciate this as a yeah, service yeah, yeah. It, it sort of becomes a a matter of how do we get more people involved in it is that right yeah, and, and, and how do we make it work, given, given that we are all volunteers now and we are predominantly a sports club, you know, how do we make it work as a, you know, as more of a business, you know, I think we are a business, we, we, we have to be, you know, um, and, and it was actually listening to a, a Tony Jeffries podcast hmm. uh, a lot a few years ago, uh, his Box and Burn podcast, and he said yeah. on there that, uh, you know, if you if you don't set out to make money, you will not make money. He and knows a thing or two about He does know a thing or two about it, yeah. So, <laughs> so, you know, that that's always been in the back of my mind. So, you know, we, 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 whatever we do, we have to make money. And obviously if we buy our own building, we have to make more money. And that means more classes. It means more people through the door. Yeah. So we, yeah. we've got to figure out how we move from, 
you know, where we are now, which is, you know, we're very comfortable, we have money in the bank and we're trying to get some money together for that capital deposit for a, you know, a mortgage on a building. Yep. It's then, you know, how do we service that mortgage? How can we, um, you know, Uh, and we are limited because we are in a fairly small town. You know, we've got to, we've got to look at different ways of, of generating that, that money. And even in a small town, commercial real estate is a conversation that could take us hours yeah. and hours oh, wow. and hours yeah. And, yeah. and somewhat yeah. beyond Especially our scope our today. Yeah. 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 Beyond our scope for our conversation today. Yeah. Simon, yeah. That's, uh, we're running a bit shy on time, but it, it's, it's been a fantastic conversation. Before we sign out of here and close out, yeah. why don't you tell people listening where they can learn more about Beartown? Yeah, so we have a, um, an Instagram page, which is uh, Beartown Boxing. We also have uh, a web page, which is uh, beartownboxing.co.uk. Uh, all the information about the classes, the coaches, what we do uh, and what we're all about is on that website. Yeah. Perfect. Connect with Simon and the Beartown staff on one or more of those platforms. This has been awesome, man. I, I really appreciate your willingness to share insight into how your business functions both what's gone well for you and where we're still looking to improve yeah, so i wish yeah. you nothing but the best and stay in touch because i want to see how this goes for you into the future thanks joe great to talk to you thanks very much absolutely to everyone who tuned in today thank you as well don't forget if you'd like to be notified about future episodes hit like and subscribe if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model click the link in the description fill it out our team will be in touch with you soon and as always until next time jim lawrence out thank you for listening to the podcast so far don't go anywhere we still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors the Jim Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Brooke. Joining me on the show is Brian from Transform Personal Training out in Wilmington, North Carolina. Welcome to the show, Brian. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. I'm excited to have you here to learn more about what you have going on within your fitness business. Before we kind of dive into the nitty gritty of what you do, what has worked well, et cetera. Give us a little bit of background. You know, what was it that led to you going and opening up Transform Personal Training? Well, I've been in the uh, fitness business since uh, 1999, 98, after graduating from college. So I uh, went into personal training after that. And because uh, I have a degree in uh, personal training, health and fitness, and uh, I ran some franchise fitness center my wife and I for about 20 years and uh, just recently in the past 18 months opened up transform personal training because it's pretty much what I've always wanted to do you know mm -hmm. uh, help people working out and being in the gym you know the traditional reasons that personal trainers get into it yeah uh, I feel like there's two types of people right somebody that goes into this because they like to help people there's somebody that goes into this business because they want to make money and they, for some reason, think that this is the career path to go down. And then there's some of us who are like, yeah, we want to do both. I feel like I fall into that category. Uh, so, you know, you're the type of guy who's motivated by helping others. Give us your best elevator pitch of transform personal training, who you are, what services that you guys provide, kind of paint a picture of your business model for us. Well, uh, transform personal training is a boutique personal training facility 
for offer one-on-one semi-private training. Um, what's unique about uh, Transform Personal Training is that it is exclusive fitness center just for training clients, but it is open 24-7 for those clients to come in and work out on their own. Transform Personal Training has a, what a traditional gym would uh, typically have, selectorized gym equipment that's easy for clients to use uh, when they're not being supervised. It has treadmills, free weights, showers, uh, things of that nature. So it just basically gives our clients that extra um, one or two days a week. They want to step in and work out on their own uh, when they're not with a uh, training client. Got you. So the bread and butter of what you do is that personal training, that one-on-one -on -one kind of experience with your clients. Right now, how many trainers do you have utilizing this space, or is it just you? Uh, right now, I have uh, myself and two other trainers. Um, just starting one as we, we speak in the, in the last couple of weeks. I have one that came on um, uh, this past year. Uh, they worked independent contractors for me, um, basically, as soon as uh, uh, like a salon would pay, somebody pays for a chair, and so they pay me a rent type system to come in and uh, use the facility, train their clients. Okay, so you guys kind of follow what we call, uh, you mentioned salon, we call it the barbershop model, so same kind of thing, right? Sure. Um, your trainers are renting space within your gym. Um, what made you come to that kind of model with your trainers? Why did you decide that that was the best method for you at the time that you started, you know, things up? Well, my wife told me to because of insurance <laughs> reasons. So. If, if your wife tells you to, you better do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I learned that over the last 20 some years too, that you, you do that. Um, but yeah, I was speaking, you know, when I was uh, putting, laying out my business plan, uh, looked at insurance and the costs and then uh, paying employees because I paid employees for 20 years. Um, I know the costs with those and, uh, um, and so I decided, let's start like this as independent contractors, build in, and then we can grow from there. I can always change from there um, um, versus going back the other direction after it's too late or, or I sink more money into it. So I wanted to start simple and then go from there. And if I need to add layers next time to uh, have employees, then I can always do that. But uh, right now, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I mean, like when you start out, you have to have a plan. So <laughs> this is what you thought would be, you know, easy. Keep it simple um, right from the get-go. Now, do all of the trainers, like, is there monthly rent based upon how many clients that they're serving? Or is it just the same monthly rent no matter how many clients that you have? Uh, it's it's geared towards having a flat rate, but there are break-in period with a percentage. So gotcha. percentage up to the flat rate. Um Basically, my goal was, uh, I know there's a lot of personal trainers out, a lot of great personal trainers, and uh, I'd owned facilities before, so I understand the overhead costs, and I know with the economy, people are going to want to downsize their costs, so I figured I'm going to get some pretty good trainers to come and, and help me out and we can share the space. Do you help them run, like, are they running basically their own business under your roof, or, like, are you helping them run their business? Like, how exactly does that work? Uh, right now, they're, they're doing their, their own thing. You know, uh, both uh, the trainers are seasoned veterans, and both of them had owned their own programs, their own training facilities, own gyms. Uh, and that's what I was looking for. It's somebody's really experienced that are, you know, they're not necessarily interested, again, on the day-to-day -day operations of, uh, of, of uh, the commitment of organizing and, and having uh, full ownership. And uh, that, those are the type of trainers I wanted, but definitely ones with experience. So, uh I trust that uh, the two trainers I have right now, um, I knew them well before I started this. Mm -hmm. Do they like find their own, like do they find their own clientele and do everything like that? Or do you help kind of feed them clients? Uh, right now, since they just came on, they've had uh, luck with their own client base because uh, mm -hmm. both of them come from um, uh, previous ownerships of their own places, their own facilities and programs. Uh, so they have their own client list um, to work off of and uh, uh, to get back into it. And, and, and coming out of the pandemic, of course, uh, when you contact those lists, people are, are starting to jump on, on uh, uh, you know, getting back into the gyms and programs, especially with 
uh, training. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, fitness nowadays feels a lot different for many people post pandemic. Um, harder to kind of motivate people to get in and, and take advantage of the services. So, um, you know, you, we, we talked about this off air, but your books are pretty full. Is that right? Excuse me, what was that? We, we, we talked about this a little bit off air, but your books are pretty full. You can't, you're not in a position where you could take on a ton more clients. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. I was, I was averaging uh, 40, 45 training sessions a week. So I was, I was pretty much tapped out majority of them. Well, I would say about 70% of it is a one-on-one training clients. Okay. So, you know, you're pretty busy now your trainers, um, you know, do they have some room to, to kind of grow there or like, what would you say? They're fairly new. So I would assume so. Yeah, they have some growth. Uh, one again, just just starting out right now. We're working out some ideas to get some uh, his old clients back in and uh, uh, to build up some more programs. Uh, we spoke earlier about um, some of my goals about uh, semi-private training clients, building up that program. So that's what we're going to be working on with him. Um, the other trainer, uh, we're just a few few clients away from where he wants to be at you know, where he's comfortable at and where he wants to go with it. So, you know, so we're pretty much set with him. Awesome. How do people hear about you? Like, how do, like, you know, how did you grow your client base? Like, where did you find your clients? What did that process look like? Well, I have, of course, a list from my previous gym. My previous gym was for 20 years. So I had a, a little bit of a list going up. It was, it was an all-females facility, so it was all ladies on my list. Um, so I started contacting that list, um, several months out while I was doing the renovations, uh, to the facility, um, started posting social media, uh, media regularly, basically Facebook, some Twitter, um, Instagram, stuff like that. And, uh, um, just rolled into it. Um, I had a group of people I worked through the pandemic with on the uh during the our shutdown so i kept a small group uh training program going so i carried them right in from day one um i had some one-on-one people come day one um got a little slow towards the fall opened up in july but i still kept with the social media the emailing and then i did two things um at the end of last year and i did a referral card that I gave my clients with a gift. I gave them like a, a workout towel, nice embroidered workout towel with a one month of free training for a friend, which uh, that did very well. In, uh in January, I converted, I would say about eight to 10 out of, the, out of those um, referral cards. And I also started doing some print advertising. And uh, between those two things, January last year was, I was signing up uh, new clients every every week, so it, it pretty much rolled from. I had about four or six weeks where I was just signing up new people, and and then you just got to work them forty to fifty uh, training sessions a week after that. Yeah, um, you know, busy, 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 busy. Um, that's the life of a trainer. You, you know, you mentioned forty sessions per week. Like longevity wise, how long do you see yourself keeping that schedule or are you looking to kind of filter your way out of the business and bring more trainers in? Like what, what do you foresee the future look like, looking like? Well, I give myself uh, 10 years. Uh, I got, a, you know, basically, a, you know, a 10 year, a, one decade a personal trainer, I told myself, I said, you know, let's, let's map out the next 10 years. What are they going to look like? And um, coming out of the pandemic, I knew that I wanted to work and not work, then, then stay at home. And that, 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 I think a lot of people probably felt that way. When you're not working, you're ready to go back to work and you need something to do and you, and you, you appreciate. So I, I think that, you know, 30 to 40 hours a week of uh, in the gym time training, administrative work and all that is doable for the next decade. But my long-term goal is to, um, you know, have had the facility running, paying for itself, putting money in my pocket, even without me there. But I don't s- see myself being one of those step away 
right. I don't want to do it. I would have done a lot of other things other than fitness, personal training. If I wanted to do a startup and walk away from it. And I think a lot of trainers feel that way. They want to stay in the daily activities, but, um, I, I wasn't looking to get rich either. You know, I'm looking for an honest, uh, income and I can feel good about and, um, and get excited about. Uh, but also, of course, I'm 48 years old. I want to step away sometimes, you know, maybe I take a month off and uh, do some extended traveling and, and holidays. So that's where the other trainers come in. That's that's where maybe going farther down the road and um, and then farming out some of the training to employees or independent contractors. Yeah, no, the, the possibility for that is definitely there. And I think that also opens up the opportunity for you to focus more on the business side of things. And like, hey, you know, I have to leave for the month. I'm, I'm traveling, but you can still work on the business without being in the business, um, in the business 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, whatever it turns out to be. Um, and that's a really good goal to kind of work towards. Want to ask you, Brian? What do you feel like has been your biggest business-related challenge, or what is your biggest business-related challenge that you guys are facing right now? Um, and what are you going to do to actively overcome that? Well, um, I'm really happy with what I'm doing right now. Uh, like I said, with the long-term goals, being able to step away a little bit longer, build up a little bit more income. You know, I could probably I want to. Uh, of course, you know, everybody likes to double their income, but um, uh, probably the biggest challenge is, is, is just me and what I want to do. You know, going from the mindset of being a personal trainer, working all the hours versus to, you know, being a business owner where you're not in there hands on all the time. So it's one of those things that you're, you're always challenging with because I don't necessarily find it hard to do one or the other you just got to decide which way you want to go and really do some really good honest personal inventory do i want to don't want to stay in there 40 hours a week personal training or do i want to spend less time in there and manage other trainers and build the business and be a, a you know build the business on the back side versus being there front and center and and that's that's the main challenge that i have i've, I've never found it hard to uh, necessarily get training clients or keep training clients. Yeah, I think that that's a good thing. I mean, that says a lot about your service, right? Um, if it's not hard for you to keep keep your clients, then you're providing a good quality of service. The fulfillment piece is there um, and not all like with personal, when it comes to personal training, not all training facilities have that like, that's not present in all training facilities. A lot of people struggle to like get people to sign up for another session once they're done their session, if that makes sense. Do you guys do like a monthly billing? Is it kind of they pay for like a pack of sessions? How exactly does that work? I do. Um, basically, I start with a basic uh, monthly rate for like eight sessions. So let's go, go into uh, private training. Um, I just start with eight because over the years, I figured that on average, two to three sessions a week, most people make two sessions when they're trying to get the three sessions we know how clients can be. So I figured I'd start with two sessions a month, basically eight sessions, I mean, two sessions a week, eight sessions a month. I build an hour and a half hour workouts based on uh, two price points. And uh, I don't obligate them other than one month. Now that doesn't do good for long-term receivables, but right now, as an interest, like, you know, selling the business or um, or or uh, stability in the business, it hasn't that those are not issues for me right now. Um, so I, I don't have a, a three month or a six month or a one year um, client agreement um, uh, for receivables. But um, it's worked out very well to keeping everybody on track. They, they resign. I have one on auto. Uh, pay, you know, but it's month by month. And uh, that's the personal touch, the one-on-one -on -one touch. Of course, I came from the other side of the equation, which was the full gyms where we sold 36 month memberships and, and uh, for $30, and it was a volume thing. And uh, I found those were hard to get people to stick to versus the month to month with one-on-one -on -one assistance. And, you know, so, uh, so, so right now it's, everything's just month by month. And uh, they, they just said, i I basically have two or three training packages and they just go on which one they want. And I've been uh, blessed to uh, have everybody stick with me long-term. Yeah. 
Um, what would be the biggest piece of advice that you would give somebody who maybe just stepped into the shoes of, you know, coming and becoming a gym owner or even a small studio owner? Um, well, you got to come to realization that it's, I mean, you can make obviously good money here. It's, it's actually, I mean, being a personal trainer is not the hardest job in the world. Um, um, you know, it, it's about personal connections. If you go at it as a money angle, then uh, then you're going to lose that personal connection. So it is a service-oriented uh, a business. And uh, being authentic, you know, I think the good trainers will will will, um, will will come to the top because they are authentic versus if you're going in it for the money, then you're on the wrong side of the fitness program or fitness industry. You might need to be on the backside versus the on the front lines. But uh uh, as, as long as people are, are, are showing up and they're being also a, a good role model for their clients, you, you, you can't, you can't fake this stuff in our business. You can't, um, you, you have to, you know, eat well, you have to, you know, stay in shape. You have to practice what you preach. And if you do that, you got a good personality, you, you know, uh, you show up for your clients, you give all your clients hundred percent, then that, that's, that's the success equation when it comes to personal training. Definitely. Um, that's a really good piece of advice that like, I think very often when we get into this industry, I know that I've dealt with it. It's like, I get so consumed by, I mean, I'm not a trainer, but I get so consumed by the day-to-day -day of the fitness business side and making sure that all of our members have everything that we need and all of our leads are taken care of that like a couple of days will go by and I haven't even gotten in my workout or like I'll realize, Oh, well, shoot, I didn't, you know, drink enough water today or all I ate was lunch today. Um, but we have to, like you said, practice what we preach. If we're going to be sitting down and having conversations with people all day about nutrition or workouts or mental health, like we got to take care of ourselves. So that's a very good piece of advice there. Brian, where can our listeners go if they're interested in following you and your journey online? Uh, well, I'm on Facebook, uh, transformpersonaltraining.com, but uh, I mean, uh, transform personal training, and then uh, um, transformwilmington.com is my website. Um, that's that's it. You know, I'm I'm pretty cut and dry in this this area of town. Um, uh, again, I live in an area that's uh, I'm blessed to live in a pretty tight community. And uh, it's easy to get out there in front of people face to face versus having to be out here virtually all the time. Um, so, um, you know, I just do a little bit of Facebook and that's about it. For sure, for sure. Well, I'm excited to go check it out on Facebook. I always tell people I like to get like an actual visual for what the space <laughs> looks like after we have these conversations. So thank you so much for your time today. Brian, listeners, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget, if you want to stay notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. And if you want to join us for an episode here at the Gym Lords podcast, fill out the link in the description. We will be in touch with you soon. As always, until next time, Gym Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.